We serve a wonderful God, awesome King, and we have a powerful word. I'm so excited to give it to you. I pray the Lord would just open your understanding, that he would bless your heart and mind, that you'd really grasp what the Lord's given to all of us, that I would get it as well. Pastor talked last week about uh, family foundations. He talked about those foundations. You probably have that in your notebook if you flip back and look at the week before. If you don't, you can get a copy of it. What was the title of that again? Someone read it for me. What was his title? Say it again. There you go. Wow. That's fantastic. I remember it partially. And he talked about the seed, and I am going to pick up on that, that uh, thread and carry it a little farther today. So, foundational work is below ground, hidden from view in a place where nobody can really know what's going on, behind closed doors. It's the things we do, the way we live, the way we think, the private decisions we make that collectively create our foundation. Everyone here is creating and working on a foundation. Whether you thought about it this morning or this afternoon, or this evening, tonight, or not. It doesn't matter if you're intentionally deciding to. Everyone is creating a foundation for life. All of this hidden and private will show up eventually in every life. Most of the time, we're not even aware of them. We only see the results. That's when we find out there's a problem. I told my boys on the way home from last Wednesday night, about how many things that message sparked in my mind. You know how that happens. Sometimes you hear a teaching or preaching and just things fire. And I said, I remember hearing about a building, downtown, large city, like Dallas. I'm not sure it was Dallas, where they had a huge glass um, sky tower. Uh, sky tower, sorry, my brains and my mouth are not connecting totally. But anyway, multi-level building all the way to the sky. Help, what more am I trying to say, Jennifer? Thank you, thank you. Put that in your blank somewhere. <laughs> a skyscraper, sky tower, scraper, tower, this close. And everything was fine. It was a gorgeous building, all those huge panes of glass and metal, until one day... A 10-foot by 8-foot piece popped out about four stories up and fell and crashed on the ground. That was horrible. So the city came, cleaned it up. They didn't know what to do. The architects were called. They said, I don't know, something freak happened. They fixed it all up, put a new one in there. That was great. Until two months later, on the other side, another one popped out from higher up. Barely missed a cab and people. I mean, that's a lot of glass from that distance. I'm not sure what it would do to a human being. I hope it would never happen, but they were extremely upset and frustrated, and everyone came back to the table. What is going on with this building? And finally, one um, senior architect, not in the original planning, was asked to come and look, and he said, I found the problem from this corner, the corner where the streets meet, the metal corner going this way and that way. You can see as it goes down, it's one inch off. He says, you mean it's one inch off from the square? 
It's going this way, and it's 90 degrees, but by the time it gets to the end of the building, it should be completely square, and it's one inch inside too much. He said, what's happening is it's putting pressure on those panes, and over time, they'll pop out. I don't know what they did to fix it, but you think about how a foundation is so powerful, and nobody cares or knows about it. No news is about how they're digging another foundation in downtown. But, of course, there's a lot of news about huge panes of glass falling from the sky as people are going about in their, their life. And the same thing in our life. We really don't care about foundations. No one talks about it. No one really wants to know about it until things start sliding and falling and we have trouble. Every day, right now, you and I, we're working on creating, we're doing things that make a foundation for our life, the decisions we make. So that's both the bad news and the good news. That's the bad news and the good news. Um, you ever notice in the Bible, usually it's bad news and good news that comes in the same sentence. In, in this room, have you ever heard someone say, I've got both good news and bad news? How many of you like to hear the good news first? Raise your hand. Your good news first person. We only have one, two. Adam's scratching his forehead, which I'm going to take as a half vote. Brother Jeff's got one. Okay. How many of you like to hear the bad news first? Wow. You bunch of bad news bears. Everybody here. And in the Bible, that's the way it always was. It was always the bad news. When Jesus came, he didn't come preaching the good news. He preached the bad news. Repent. You're in trouble. You're going to die in your sins. And then I'm the good news. That was the follow-up. It was horrible bad news. And, it, and, and this conversation is not just trifling bad news. It's serious, life-threatening bad news. Bad news are produced that are embarrassing, frustrating, destructive, even life-threatening. Matter of fact, it's only when we really grasp how bad it truly is that we're willing to do something good about it. No one here takes chemo or radiation because you just feel sick. You need some serious bad news to take that kind of drastic measure in your body, right? You have to have very, very, very bad news before you decide to elect to do that. Even then, you may not. You will not be saved if you think you're mostly okay. And everyone's okay. And we're all okay. And everyone, you got your path, I got my path, and we're all okay. There's no one need to be saved. There's no repenting over that. That's why there was such powerful services of people running to the altar and crying and 100, 150 years ago because there were so strong messages of how lost you are. That, I know, that we've kind of lost that, that connective piece. But unless the bad news is truly exposed how horrible it is, no one will make great steps to change the situation. I've never gone and sat in the doctor's office and just said, how, guys? How are you doing, guys? I'm here just to visit. Just thought I'd check out and see what magazines are three months old and say hi. I don't never do that. Some of you are you're the type of people that you'd have to take a, an entire crew and a crane to get you into a doctor's office because you won't do it. But you'll do it if you have to. All right. The good news is that Jesus will help anybody. Someone say Anybody. That's willing to build again. As soon as you're ready, he's willing to move in and make your heart his home. Second Corinthians 6 says, as God said, I will live in them and walk in them. I will be their God 
and they will be my people. I want God to live in me and walk in me. Anybody want to join me in that? I hunger. I really desire with all my heart. I want God to live in me and walk in me. I want to be his people. God is a builder and a rebuilder. Acts 15, 16, it says, And after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. What powerful good news. God delights in building again. He delights in making the broken things back like they're supposed to be. He delights in restoring. He delights in rebuilding. Revelation lets us know that he can make you all over again. He can make you all over again. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. We have a powerful God. He delights in making new. He's not on a distant planet. He's not a God that's far from us. He's not God far away saying, well, I I started this top up. I'm going to let it spin to see how it goes. He's a God that's involved. He literally is an active God. He's doing, he says, I want to make you new. I want to rebuild you. I, you know, that gives me such hope in my life. When I talk about this topic, it can be so frustrating and hurting to say, Lord, look at my foundation and the things that aren't right, the things I wish were different, and the areas of my life that I can say, Lord, I, I didn't do that right, and I didn't make that decision right. Some of you have probably wondered and even thought about, God, if I could go back in time, what would I do differently? That, why, why wouldn't do that? I wouldn't sign my name on that. I would have said, no, I'm getting out of here. If I could only have that theme music that plays, you know, on those old shows. You walk into the room and you hear that scary organ. You would think, no, I'm out of here. Get out of there right now. Don't do it. And you hear the good music. You think, okay, yeah, maybe I am supposed to be with her. That's a good thing. Wouldn't it be nice if you had that in life? Just a little, the theme music that we play, you know, that's bad. Whoa, stay away. Don't do that. That's a, that guy's. he's a shark. But there are things in life that you look back and say, Lord, I, I don't know why I, I wasn't thinking. Or like Pastor said last week, if they don't, people would only pray just five minutes and say, God, help me and give me direction. But most of us don't. We usually get into it, and then we spend a lot of time praying afterwards. Right? Yet the Word says, after this I will return. I will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof and will set it up. God is showing his character. He loves to take the ruins and build them up again. He loves to take what's fallen down and put it right again. He's the one that says, I make all things new. Mm, I love that about him. He has a constant call, a clarion call going out for every person, every tongue, every country for 2,000 years. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord's calling, calling, calling. Like he was up on that hillside overlooking Jerusalem and saying, Oh, I wanted to. I wish I could be like a mother hen gathering the chicks beneath my wings. But you wouldn't have any of me. You refused me. The Lord is calling and calling. His call is going to your life right now. If you've ever thought, I wish the Lord would speak directly to me and call me, he's doing that right this moment. That's happening right now. The Holy Ghost is moving. He's calling you right now. 
This is the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you. I believe with all my heart. I want to make the, the old things new. I want to turn what's broken upside down and make it right. I am a rebuilder. I'll build what's broken. I'll make it right. Let me have a chance at it. Ooh, Jesus. And that's just my introduction. Wow. What's going to happen next? So excited. <laughs> I am so excited. Really, I am thankful because this is the Word of God. How can you improve upon the Word of God? I love the Word of God. So, number one, the seed is the Word of God. Jesus said that in Luke 11, I'm sorry, Luke 8, verse 11, explaining the parable of the sower. We represent the earth. We're the cold, dead earth that can of itself bring forth either nothing or thorns and thistles. That's what the curse happened in Genesis 3. Remember? When the Lord said, the ground's cursed because of you, Adam. It's going to bring weeds and thorns and all these things. So I've got this next uh, few paragraphs here from, mainly from reading Andrew Murray. Uh, his writings was around 1894. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right, 1894. Many years ago. And it applies so powerfully here. The earth, that's us, earth does not have power in itself to produce wheat or corn. However, when someone desires to have that corn, he takes the good seed and commits it to the same ground that up to that point had only brought forth weeds. Now, guys, I don't have my blanks here, so I'm hopefully will cross the blanks. If I miss a blank, raise your hand or just make up a blank. Be creative and think of a blank that would... Of, you know, answer would fit. You can do it. The soil receives it and keeps that seed in silence and dark secrecy, encouraged by sunshine and the dew of heaven. It invariably shoots up and grows out. It cannot be otherwise because that is the law, say the law. That's the law of sowing and reaping. The ground, with the help of water and sunlight, will always eventually produce what is sown in it. The cold, dead earth has by and by become a fruitful land. Life is not in the earth, but in the seed. Yet, the earth is just as important a partner. Without the earth having its share of the work, there'd be no fruit. It must keep the seed, nourish it, hold it safe until it's ready to make an above-ground appearance. The Word is the seed. It has divine power of life. We have a powerful Word of God. We read it. We hear it from this pulpit. We're blessed in a church where the Word of God is just put into our lives. Had anybody testify to that? We have heard powerful Word of God. Anybody else besides Sister Gordon? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. But guess what? The Word... Not planted is easily eaten by birds. That's what the, that's what the parable says. Just because it's powerful doesn't mean it will make a difference in your life. Little birds just come and take it away. It has to be in us and received in us and hidden away. You can hear the word for thousands of sermons and be unchanged because the, your heart is a hard, concrete like ground. Unable to receive, but you've got to have a, that softness of heart to receive the Word of God. Mm. However helpless you may feel about yourself, 
And many of you feel this way. Feel like you've made decisions to change and you haven't changed. You've struggled with that thing that you and the Lord know about and you haven't made much progress. You see your family and your life, your situation, your relationships, and you say, Lord, you know, it's going to have to be you because I don't see anything changing. However helpless you feel about that, the living seed has all the power that's needed to turn a dead, barren land into a fruitful field. I am incapable of my own to produce godly fruit. The quicker I learn that, the more I'll depend upon the Lord and less on me. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. The certainty of the fruit doesn't depend on an ability of you or you or you, but on the faithfulness of God. Wow. Prayerful consideration. Faithfully keeping God's word is the way to prepare a place for the seed in your heart. Mourn no longer that your heart is full of weeds and you lack godly fruits. Instead, realize that keeping the seed in the dead earth is a transforming power. There's life in the word. And by that word we get faith. Faith cometh by the word of God. Every man has a, has a little bit of faith, but the faith you want for life doesn't come because you had the ability. It comes from the word of God. Wow, it's so exciting. Romans says, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Ooh. Just take a minute and, and soak in all that just happened right there. Just get a catch that. Because it, it, it's beyond me. It's beyond my ability. It's beyond who you were before you came into this building. It's beyond, by yourself, you're unable. John gives another illustration, or Jesus says in John 15, Without me, you can do nothing. Unattached to the vine, you can do nothing. In the same way, land by itself, nothing. By itself, weeds. By itself, thorns. By itself, it's so sad. No godly fruit. But the same land, that last season was horrible and run over with weeds, can this next season become a fruitful land? Because something was planted in the right conditions and it was held and the life changed. And you said, how did you do that? What was, what was the thing you did? What was number one? And what was the ABC? And what would you that made your life so great? And the answer truly is, it's just the word of God. I believed it and I put it in my life. I hid it here and it grew out. It became something better than I could ever do. Oh, someone say thank you, Lord, right now. Just take a minute, would you? I thank you for the power of your word. It's beyond man, Lord. It's beyond my ability. I thank you for the holy power of your word. What a tiny seed, Lord. Yet what an amazing harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what did Mary do with all those things she heard? The message from the angel. All the wonderful signs she saw. What did she do? The Bible says that Mary kept all these things. And ponder them in her heart. That is the best verse, word picture I can ever give to you of what it means to hide the seed. <laughs> There's that pondering, that pondering. Another word for it in our, we would use is meditation. Meditating. That means to think about it, to chew on it over and over. That pondering, the Word of God. Okay, it's the law. Did you know there's a law that's higher than the laws of Indiana, higher than the law of our country, 
higher than the law of the United Nations or any world council. There's a law that's higher than man, whether they recognize it or not. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Step off a building tomorrow. You can say, I don't believe in gravity. You can say it all the way down. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's a law. It will carry you to the ground. It will. There are laws that are so, they're so powerful, they're unable to be sidestepped. You can't get around them. I say, that doesn't apply to me. Or, well, I'm a Pentecostal. Or my mom and dad did whatever. Or I am, you can't buy your way out or anything. You can't even, sometimes you can't pray your way out. There are some laws. There are some times we've prayed for people that were, they knew and we all knew. Police are coming for you and you're going to have to go and face the, face your, you know, your time because you committed a crime. I know you're praying and we believe you. We're praying with you. But you can't escape what you just did. <laughs> right? There are some laws like that. They're so strong. Once you get on the right side of them, it's almost like a magician's magic trick that you think, how did that happen? How did so much good come out of that? And once you get to the wrong side of me and say, why is so much bad coming out of that? God's laws are like that. They're powerful. There are many kinds of seeds. I have, I'm missing a D there. Hmm. Or even an S. And every kind, of, every kind bears fruit according to its nature. Seeds are the first things God created on the earth. And these produce after their kind. That's in Genesis chapter 1. There are good seeds and there's bad seeds. There's things you want and things you don't want. There's things you'd love to see grow up in your life and things you wish you wouldn't. So let's start here. Here's the beginning of the concept that we can put in our minds. If you don't remember, have memorized this, you should. Be not deceived, Galatians says. God is not mocked. For whatsoever, say whatsoever. I mean, I don't care what it is. Whatsoever. You pick it. Whatsoever. A man soweth, that shall he also reap. Say reap. Here's some examples Paul gives. Simple class examples. Not specifics, but large macro examples. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary. Weary. Why, why are we talking about being weary? We'll get that in a minute. Because just because you plant right now doesn't mean you harvest right now. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we Faint not. Ooh, that was a condition. You see the condition there? If we faint not. That means you can, you can get yourself in a situation where you miss out on reaping what you ought to reap because you fainted or gave up or just said, I, I, I'm out of here. I quit. All right, so that's very important. That is the cornerstone of this conversation. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. That means God's not tricked. He's not Bamboozled, he is not. He's not like, oh, you, you've, you've covered, you got me in that one. I, you know, I didn't see past it. He, he's not any way just missing what's happening in your life. God's not mocked. He sees what's really going on. Whatever a man soweth, I don't care what it is, 
he's going to reap it. If it falls in the category one of his flesh, he'll get corruption. If it falls in the category two of the spirit, he'll get life everlasting. All right. So here's some laws that go with that, some pieces. After its own kind, that's the number one. The ground can only give back the type of seed you plant. It must produce what you put in it. Even a child knows this. Little ones know this. The ground can only give back what you put in it. So a family application is you must decide what kind of house you'll have. I remember Brother Terry Schock said this at the marriage seminar. Wasn't just, uh, wasn't just last year? Wow, time flies. You have to decide, spiritual or carnal. You cannot get Holy Ghost fire out of things of the world. You cannot get peace out of evil. You cannot get lasting joy from making your flesh happy. Get temporary joy, but not lasting joy, not real joy. Why are we so shocked about the kinds of things we reap? No gardener expects tomatoes from strawberry plants or corn from watermelon. Yet people are constantly, this minute, today, this week, in your life, in your house, in your business, in your work, in your school, they're constantly sowing things that they do not want to reap. You've got to look at yourself. You've got to look at the Word. The Word is a powerful mirror. It's not there to embarrass you or to destroy you. It's there to show us what we are, to reveal to us what we do, to look at it and say, Lord, show me in my, my heart, in your Word today. Reveal to me, am I sowing things that I don't want to reap? Am I sowing things that I don't want to reap? There's so many examples I could give. There are thousands of examples of you sowing things that you don't want to reap. I've never, I've never had, um, well, I've had this a couple times, I suppose. I'm trying to think about how to say it correctly. But today we met a gorgeous um, golden lab, older dog, went to the house and just, you know, sweet as can be. And I must have weighed 110 pounds just bumping my leg with his nose and that tail going like crazy. I, I, I know immediately that dog is happy to see me. There's no doubt about it. And that dog is giving me all the friendliness and happiness. There's no fear there. And I'll contrast that with the house I went to. Um, I think it was outside of Reelsville, somewhere over there, where there was a huge metal cage. It was about, oh my gosh, six feet long, four feet high. And had a pit bull inside of it. I walked to the house. And the lady said to me, she said, we just got him from the, the pound just a month ago. He probably wouldn't hurt you, but I just think he should stay in there. And all the while she's seeing that, the dog has his teeth around the, the cage going like this. I'm thinking, I don't know what you're saying. She said, he would probably just love on you if I let him out. He would just, I said, I encourage her. Don't, no, I, it's okay. He's fine in there. He's trying to find a weak spot in the wall. I'm thinking, he's not saying, I want to love on you. He's not saying, I want to eat you. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's clear. She's not getting the message, but I'm getting the message. And the dog and I know. I'm thinking, I don't believe you. I believe the dog. She's saying, okay, I'm, I'm fine. I won't walk over there. 
What a great difference there is. Sometimes you give to people a tail wagging friendship and hello and welcome and how are you? And there's no wonder why you don't why you why you reap friendship and kindness back. And sometimes you give a dog like that that people are going to give a wide berth to, and you wonder why are you reaping that? The Bible says if a man wants friends, show himself friendly. Why do we sow things we don't want? Why do you talk bad about people and you don't want to bring that back on your life? Why do you find things to pick about other people and share them with other people and talk about them and someone you could, that they did? Do you want to reap that? Come on, let's think about what we're sowing. That's the question. Everything you do, every action, every behavior, every mentality. Why do we invest ourselves in things of this world and pour them into our mind just for a quick, you know, just the fun and relaxation, whatever it is, and things that the Spirit's telling us not to do. We, we just feel convicted or maybe whatever it is about it. It probably isn't the right thing to watch or see or talk or hear or engage in, but it's entertainment. Yet we don't want to reap that, but we are reaping it. You come into this building and you struggle. You're there for three songs trying to say, I'm trying to feel something. I'm not feeling. I don't know why. Why don't I feel anything anymore? I'm having a hard time. I'm trying to raise my hands and I feel like they're leaden. I'm asking you, what are you sowing? We've got to examine this in my life and your life. There's no one that's exempt. The, the word just said, any man, whatever, any man does this, anybody, every man, woman, and child, whatever they sow, they're going to reap. Oh, what a powerful word of the Lord. Because it's his word. And it's after his own kind. All right. Time is involved. And I'm watching the time. I'm being careful here. Time. That amount of time from when you plant to when you get production depends on the seed. Hmm. It can also depend on how much the ground cooperates. Someone say cooperates. That's my favorite word as a child. One of the first big words I ever read on my own. And I didn't read it like that. I read it like cooperatis. I had to learn how it all goes together. So many syllables. That was incredible. Cooperates. It literally means to link arms and arms, to work together. How much the ground cooperates, that makes a big difference in the production. Anybody here have some really clay, uh, rough, difficult soil to plant things in your house or around you anywhere? Any kind of a clay, clay soil or anybody? Okay, some of the, anybody have any really fantastic soil, that rich, loamy, deep soil that's easy to plant stuff in? Okay, a few people do, right. Some of you don't even know you have soil. I'm just, it's new. Soil? What is soil for this guy? I've never heard of such a thing. I just go, I thought my soil came from Kroger. I go there and they grow plants and give it to me. And that's okay. I, I, I'm, I don't like stuff like that. But how much the, the ground cooperates, how receptive that soil is, makes a huge difference, plus the necessary sunshine and water. There are very few things you can plant today that will produce this month. Very, very, very few. Some seeds take months, some take seasons, and some even years before they'll produce. I looked this up, so don't think I'm such some green thumb. I, I wouldn't know otherwise. 
Arugula, did I say that right? Has been called the rocket because of how quickly the leaves can grow and become edible. You can have results in as little as four weeks. Anybody here ever grown that arugula? No one has? Anybody here have a garden? There are, okay, wow, amazing. A sweet cherry tree, however, will take four to seven years to produce. Time is involved. Someone say time is involved. Now remember the passage we talked about at the very beginning, our cornerstone in Galatians 6, those first three words, be not deceived. Deceived means to be led astray or confused or to call evil things good. This is often why we call the wrong people successful. Why I have called the wrong people in my life successful. They're successful because of all the judgment we make as human beings. They got this together. They got that. They're making so much money to live here, to live in that house, their family all together. We call the wrong people successful. They're cutting corners and seem successful now. They may thumb their nose at God, maybe, or they seem to be doing just fine. Maybe the people who do wrong things and get away with it. Maybe they're those that we know they're not planting any godly seeds. We are deceived because there is time involved. And that, that is the worst possible news and also hopefully becomes the good news. But at first, it's the worst possible news I can tell you. There are decisions you can make today. There are roads you can get on because of the windy and curvy nature You can't see the end of him. And you may not realize for 10 years that that was a wrong road to take. You can can get on the wrong road and say, I thought we were doing what we wanted to do. It was the right thing to do. And it may take you years to realize that was the wrong thing to do. There are some things you can do that you cannot see the harvest for years. For years. How, How do you make decisions then? None of us can see very far. Our, our, our farthest distance, I think, if all the trees are cleared, maybe it's, maybe it's a few miles, maybe six miles, if we can see just the horizon. How can we see far enough to make our decisions? The Bible says, it is not in man to direct his own path. It is not in man to direct his own path. So I either have to trust myself or the people around me in this world, or I have to trust the holy word of God. And the, the benefit about the Word of God is, even when the path right now seems to be wrong, it will turn out wonderfully. <laughs> even the path seems to be going a wrong direction. Lord, where are you leading me? If He's leading me, it'll pr- produce a wonderful harvest. If my seed right now, or my path I'm on for my family is my pleasure, or what is easiest for me, invariably, it may take a long time, but invariably, it's going to lead to a harvest of deep frustration and hurt and maybe loss of my family. That's the bad news. The good news is the Lord is calling right now. Everybody, no matter what path you're on, no matter what path I'm on, He's calling. His Spirit calls and draws. He doesn't come and push you off that path, jerk you back where you're supposed to be. He calls you. Oh, Lord. Wow, you may make decisions today, sowing a seed in your family that will not produce for many years. It can take a long time to realize the choice you made was the right path or the wrong path. It's impossible to see years down the, down the path. So who will you trust? What kind of seed will you sow? Joshua said, if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, 
Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a decision. That's a planted seed. That's a foundation. That's going to work out for you, Joshua. That's going, to, that's going to benefit you. David had the same trouble with the harvest, with the word later. He had the same trouble with this word later. Frustration in Psalm 73. My feet came close to stumbling. My steps were almost slipped. I was envious of the arrogant, he says. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Look how well they're doing, God, he said. They're not having problems. They're not working hard to please you. They're enjoying life. Why am I working so hard? It's too painful for me to think about. Until verse 17, he says, Until I went into the house of the Lord, into the sanctuary. Then I understood there's a harvest coming. What looks to be so wonderful right now, there's a harvest coming. And it may not be on this earth. It may be in eternity. But God's word is true. His word is true. God is not a man that he would lie, the Bible says. What you see, what you sow, you're going to reap. One way or the other. It's impossible. Even if you get around men and you become the most, the strongest we know and become powerful and do great things, even if people can't bring you to an accountability, God will. Someone say amen. Number three, multiplication. Multiplication. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased, and yielded a crop, and produced 30, 60, 100 times. Do you see all those there? 30, 60, 100 times. I'm not sure why there's a difference for the three, but there are. Here's the message. Here's the multiplication. You always, say always, you always get back more than you planted. It's seldom that you plant one seed and only harvest one thing. Especially if you consider the seeds you get back from the crop or the fruit you planted. This applies to the good that's planted. Also applies to the evil that's planted. The ground doesn't know the difference. Correct? The ground cannot tell you. Oh, no, 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 don't plant that. That's... That's a wild seed. That'll hurt your whole, that'll take over your whole yard. The ground will not tell you, oh, that's, yes, plant that. That'll, that's a gorgeous tree. The ground doesn't know the difference. And it will give you back a multiplied of what you put in. It's impossible for it to be otherwise. It always is the case. It's a multiplication. It is bound under a law to return to you what you sow and this law produces a multiplication when you plant it. So, people say, I know I did that one thing that was wrong. I made a really bad mistake. I shouldn't have left. I shouldn't have been disobedient to the Lord. But why do I have all of this trouble? Is it fair that I have all of this problems from that one thing? There's a law. It's called multiplication. You did one thing, but a multiplied came with you. And why is it that someone says, Lord, I only did one thing that I can think of that was good. I set your name on important in my mouth, and I, I, maybe I made just one small decision. And look at all the blessings. Why are so many blessings? Because it's always a multiplication. Multiplication is a law. Whether you believe it, whether you're not, whether you realize it or not, it's a multiplication law. It will always come to pass. It came to pass in David's life. 
David could have said, Lord, all I did was make one mistake, and then I tried to cover it, and then I made another mistake, and maybe I tried to cover that. So why would I have all this trouble for years, years of trouble? Why would I have trials and anguish and crying and times of sitting on the ground outside of my my gates and fasting and praying for a baby who's going to die? Why do I have the sword that won't leave my family? Why? Because you plant one and multiplication comes along with the with the harvest. Always. You can't I can't get around it. I can't get away from it. It matters what I plant. It matters what I plant. Just a tiny little thing can become huge for good and for bad. Mm. So here's my family application that I, I want to preach to myself about. What good is one? One little seed, one lonely word, one small action, one private decision. The difficulty in seeing the harvest and the possibilities of its multiplication can cause us to despise little seeds. We can say, well, what, why, what's, what, what's five minutes, Lord? What is, that's all I have right now. Five minutes to pray or read your word. What is one encouraging card to send to somebody? What's it been, how would that help? All I have time right now is to read a chapter. What's one chapter going to help? How is it help? All I have is this couple bucks, Lord. How will that help? The seed is what matters. Not what you don't have or don't, don't have, do have or don't have. And the same thing happens in our life. We, we look at the little thing and say, well, that is not a big thing. That's not enough. That's not going to make a difference. Yet God says, plant the one and I'll make it many. Plant the one and I'll make it multiplied. Mm. I, you know what? I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly right now. I, I just want you to take just a minute. Raise your hand, Lord. I want the word to have its place in my heart. I want to have that heart, Lord, that's like Mary, that takes it all in and keeps it there. Ponders the word. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Do something bigger than anything I can say, any words I can say, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Trust in the power of the seed. Have faith in the power of the word of God and plant that seed. Even if it seems small now, it is a law of all creation. It will multiply. Number four, the seed does not look like the plant. Isn't that amazing? The seed does not look like the plant. Have you ever noticed that? You plant a little freckle of something. It's so tiny. It's nothing. Just put it in. And this plant comes up that it looks so different. So amazing. So much larger. So much happening. So much life. Mmm. What you plant and how it looks when you perform the sowing of it won't look the same when it produces fruit and you reap that harvest. A simple daily prayer, a time in the Word, will grow, grow a fruit that won't look at the time spent in the original planting. There's miraculous power in the tiniest of seeds. Produce a plant that's always different when it comes up above the surface. The same principle holds true when you plant the seed of the word in your heart. 1 Corinthians says, you foolish man, every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, germinating, springing up, or growing, unless it dies first. Nor is the seed you sow, then the body, which is going to have later. It's a naked kernel, perhaps of wheat or some of the other rest of the grains. But God gives it the body he plans and sees fit. And to each kind of seed, 
a body to its own. Paul is talking about a new body. He's directly answering a question. The Corinthian church says, what happens when we die? You don't have this body. You don't have to worry about this body, how tired it was, or you're missing a finger, or you couldn't walk well, or couldn't hear well. You have a new body. Looks different. Acts different. Younger. Stronger. Jump higher. Run faster. I don't know. Whatever you want to think. Put in the ad there for me. But it's a beautiful concept about the seed. It's a little seed here. It's an awesome plant there. Little babies look amazingly different in 20 years. Anybody here can say amen to that? Anybody know that? You see, see little ones and see how different they are in 10, 15, 20 years? It's invariably true because it's a law of sowing and reaping. Our family devotions, when mom and dad decided to have those, did not look very good at the time. Mm, oh my goodness. You would never have seen those firsthand and figure out the harvest later. So dad told the church in Troy, Missouri, you need to have a night we have family devotions. So, of course, we have to have family devotions. Myself, Jeffrey, and Dana, mom and dad. We gather in the living room, and it's, it's as though it was, it was the enemy's night to fight. I'm telling you. Lord, right away, I had questions. Arguments, of course. Why are we having devotions? Why do we have to do this? This is dumb. This is stupid. Because... It's good. It's a good thing. It's the Lord saying. And finally came back to, well, your dad's a pastor. We have to have devotions. It was horrible. And devotions would almost always follow this routine. Mom would say something. Dad would read the Bible. And then we'd all pray. I believe my dad, if he was praying, that sounded a lot more like snoring than praying. He was kneeled over in that big chair. Oh, Lord, I love you. And that was about... I didn't promise that's what he was doing. And, and then we would get into some argument. I, I, at least half the time, at least, Jeff would be mad at me or mom and storm down the hall and slam the door. Then I would be mad at somebody else and push something over and then go slam the door. It's like, did we invite the devil in here? Is this God or is this a devotion or for the, or is this the enemy? It's like we're like, we're going to have devotions and we're just going berserk in this house. Like, what's happening here? And, you know, it's a simple little thing, but we just fought it. We're having devotions. Again, we had it last week. We're having it every week. We're having a, it's called weekly devotions. Scott, stop arguing. Um, you know what happened last week? Dana got mad. Jeff hit her, and then he got yelled at, and he ran in his room and slammed the door. We're going to do this again? Boy, it was such a battle and a fight. If you, if you saw this right now, if I could play it. You would just crack up laughing, and we'd have to just destroy the tape or, you know, get rid of it, delete it. But how cool it would be to see that and to think how our lives grow, how the harvest is so different than a little decision, something you make tonight. I mean, literally right now, you say, Lord, I'm deciding. This is what I'm going to do. Nobody even knows about it. It's a foundational thing. It's tiny. I will not lay my head down until I have a little prayer or whatever it is, whatever God speaks to you about. I'm going to turn that off and turn this down and turn this up and listen to that and not listen to this. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, it's a little thing. No one even sees it. But when it blooms and gives harvest, oh, what a gorgeous thing it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now is the time. What about now? What about today? Chinese Proverbs says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. 
the second best time to plant a tree is right now. And I, I like that and I hate that. I love it and it hurts me because I think of all the trees I wish I would have planted 20 years ago. But frustration and sadness can fill your heart when you look at weeds in your life. Solomon even considered a field. He said, Proverbs 24, that was grown over with thorns and nettles, covered the face of it, and the stone wall had been broken down. He's passing by the field of a slothful man. But you and I are only in charge of this moment. This day is your day. Second Corinthians said, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee, or I have come to your rescue. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Somebody say now. Looking back to the past can be painful. And the future is only a possibility. You must start this moment right now. You can only start this moment. Your frustrations, your throwing your hands up, your depression will not make you start this moment. Matter of fact, that is a cycle of the enemy to continually keep you where you're at. Looking at what you haven't done or what you should have done, what happened in the past, what is the, oh, I wish I'd have done that differently. I guess there's a time for it to learn and grow, but after a time, it becomes literally a cycle to keep you back there. We have to turn our face resolutely toward the future and say, right now is my day. This is my time. Today is the day. Turn the force of your frustrations and the what it could have should is into planting the seed of the word into your life right now. Mm. Now I want you to listen to this. After certain days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, and he sent for Paul. Heard him concerning the faith in Christ. As Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Say judgment to come. Felix trembled. He shook, answered, go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. Antonius Felix had a life that was a mess. This woman sitting next to him was his third wife. He was a horrible governor, struggling to keep the peace, using cruelty and bribes. He had arranged secretly to kill Jonathan the high priest. He, he was guilty of crucifying, crucifying many followers. This is long after Jesus was crucified. Still crucifying people that were revolting. He would have strong reasons to be afraid of a judgment to come. Felix didn't know it, but history tells us he's about to be recalled to Rome, accused for treasonous actions. Felix, you'll never have a better time than right now. You'll never have a better time than right now. You sat there with Paul and you trembled, frightened, terrified, shaking, physically shaking, and could say, no, now is not the best time. Later is better. We'll get the right time. We'll start Monday. The New Year's good. I'll get you the next week, the beginning of the month, a convenient one. That time never came. Never came. Never was again in the presence of Paul. 
And that, that's not to say that God doesn't have mercy and find another way. But that moment never came again. Your time is right now. My time is right now. There is no such thing on any clock or any calendar as a convenient season. It doesn't exist. Jesus. Oh, Lord. The kingdom of God, the Lord said, is like a man who scatters seed. Time passes. He's sleeping. He's rising. He's sleeping. He's rising. Goes about life. While the seed is sprouting and growing, he doesn't know how it's happened. It seems to have happened all by itself. All by itself. There is power in all, all by itself. Something deep in the heart grows all by itself. Well, you're busy doing other things in life. Something's growing all by itself. Something's happening here. There's amazing power in a seed thought. A little idea that falls into a fertile, open heart and will take root. How much good or evil has happened in this whole world because of a little suggestion. The seed of a possibility. The seed of doubt or faith. And yet no suggestion, no idea, no concept, no thought can ever compare to the immense power of the Word of God. The power of the Word of God. It's said like this. All flesh is grass, and man's glory is like the flower. That's like his greatest achievements, his greatest crowning victories, his largest buildings, his greatest things. There's a flower popping up, beautiful. But the wind blows, and the flower is no more, and you can't find the place. Where was that wildflower? I think it was, I'm not sure. It's right over here. Think about how much of mankind has been like that flower. Time just wipes even their memory away. They're lost. And so is our life. But they said, even though that happens, the Word of God will stand forever. Man, flesh like grass, because out there in in the air today, outgrowing today, and then tomorrow it's in the oven. It's here and it's gone. But the Word of our Lord shall stand forever. Even if the mountains would crumble, and the seas would disappear. Yet the word of the God is above everything else. There is a powerful law. It is the word of God. It is the seed planted. It changes us. It changes our life. Oh, Lord, a seed given enough time and the right conditions, that we're back to that right conditions again, can splinter concrete, push out the wall of a building, or roll a boulder out of the way. It can. You've seen it. I've seen it. Given enough time, the right conditions, just a little sapling seed, nothing to it, but a year or two, a building that sat by itself and no one's touched it, can push a wall up out of the side. Concrete, that, that sidewalk can be splintered by a little seed. What power there is in that. What power there is in the Word of God. How much more can the eternal Word of God transform the landscape of your heart and your mind and your life. Solomon, there's an answer to that field full of weeds and thorns with the stone broken down. There's an answer. There is someone who is a rebuilder who can take the broken and restore it. <laughs> One of those promises of those who fast like God intends is this. And they that shall be of thee shall build thee old waste places. 
Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Whew. Thank you, Lord. That's a powerful verse. Powerful verse right now. People are fasting. The power you to read that verse and claim that Lord, you are a rebuilder. You're in the you're the Almighty, restoring, rebuilding, repairing business. Even our precious Savior, the true King of the whole world, was once compared to a little seed that grew. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. You can sow right things today. You can decide to sow peace. James said, and the harvest of righteousness, that's conformity to God's will in thought and deed, is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves, in others. That peace, which means concord, agreement, harmony between individuals with undisturbedness and a peaceful mind, free from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts. You can sow that right now. One of my favorite things to do with the kids when we're younger and go to the go to the grocery store for something is to buy a big bag of those Bing cherries. Bing cherries. Now they seem like they've gotten so much more expensive, but we'd put them in the car, grab those, you know, chew around that pit, hurl those windows down, and just put seeds out. <laughs> and I asked my mom, who was a He's such an amazing gardener. I said, Mom, you ever think one of those Bing cherries will roll into gutter or on the side of the street and grow and become a tree? She said, I don't know, Scott. That doesn't seem very likely. Just because it's a good seed doesn't mean it will produce. It has to have the right soil and the right conditions. Just because you say, oh, that word is good, or, man, pastor's word was so good, or the message you heard in that was so good, doesn't really mean anything if the seed doesn't find a place in your heart.